Got to tell you, guy goes overseas for a few days, completely clears the cranium, does not expect to come back and find out that the hockey team didn't do a blessed thing the entire time. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins, back from vacation, and it comes your way, generally speaking, Monday through Friday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. And I can guarantee you that both of those shows are a whole lot more eventful because at least something happens. Yes, this is the NHL's dead period. That's how it goes around the league. You can even go to a website like tsn.ca and find that there's nothing, nothing happening in the world of hockey. And that's, you know, it's at least a little bit unsettling as far as the Penguins are concerned because there's a part of me that can still envision Ron Hextall bringing this roster into training camp. And I say that not so much based on the cap constrictions that we all know about but a lot more on his limited history in Pittsburgh of having brought a lot of defensemen into the fold. Remember, around this time a year ago, a lot of us, myself included, were absolutely sold on the idea that Marcus Pedersen would be traded, partly because we thought they'd clear room out for P.O. Joseph, partly because there was just a lot of defensemen. And it turned out that was the way they went. It was going to be a full regular schedule again, all 82 games, full travel, everything else. And they felt, and maybe not without cause, that they were going to experience the same type of attrition that all teams do on the blue line. But nine is still nine. and. Having added Jeff Petrie and Jan Ruta, even with the subtractions of Mike Matheson and John Marino, obviously in separate exchanges, you're still looking at the same number. And I'm not even factoring in Ty Smith, the defenseman that they picked up from the Devils for Marino. You're also looking, and maybe this is, going to be the more influential factor here at the team being over the cap and Brian Dumoulin still being here entering the final year of his contract. And for that matter, Pedersen still, still being here with a long way to go in his contract. And I'll be honest, I I don't mind the blue line being cluttered, even over cluttered because of what I'd mentioned about attrition and because not All of these guys that they have are guaranteed to make a solid six. I think it's a pretty good bet. That's because I really, really like Petrie, and I think Ruta as well is going to end up being a good fit. But it's not known. The issue isn't the impact on the defense. The impact is, you know, there's still work to do up front. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need 
across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. I can't buy into any concept that the Penguins will contend in the coming season without another significant move up front. By that, of course, I mean an addition. And I, you know, I'm not feeling that right now. I'm not feeling that vibe. And I, I guess that's easy slash lazy to say when there's nothing going on, not just in Pittsburgh, but again, around the NHL. But that's the feel. When you go back to, I guess it was the week leading up to the NHL draft and then free agency and everything else that came with that, it seemed like the Penguins were making a move every other day, or in the case of the Matheson Marino trades, twice in a day. And that everything was going like this, this, this. And while you understand that that pace can't continue, it felt in the moment incomplete. But it's been just deathly silence ever since. Not even minor transactions. No, Hextall isn't Jim Rutherford to be advertising all his moves and staying on the phone with people like me for endless blessed hours of awesome inside info. Neither have I gotten the idea from Hextall that he's super secretive when he does speak. And when he did speak, most recently, he himself suggested that there's more to come, that there almost has to be more to come. I hope so. I really do. Because I get past the first two lines on this team, and I start asking myself way, way, way too many questions. No, I don't think it's inconceivable to win with this group of forwards, and even beyond the top six, but I do think it's pretty close to inconceivable that you'll have a real ceiling factor to it, meaning a handful of guys or even a handful of reasons, intangible reasons, to believe that the forward group could rise well above expectations. Maybe there's just one facet in which I could see that happening, and that would be that if somehow, magically, everyone were able to stay healthy, including the older guys, and fresh over the full schedule. But even as I say that out loud, doesn't it sound silly? So where else are your surprises? Where else is this ceiling that you can raise? Is it Drew O'Connor? If so, is it just Drew O'Connor? There's time, okay? So I don't mean to make this sound uh, super dramatic or anything. There's a month until the Penguins have to get together in Cranberry. And in that month, as people from around the hockey world, meaning the execs, the agents, and so forth, the people who really make things move in the literal sense, as they start getting back together and communicating, you're going to see moves leading up to camp. You're going to see the rest of the lingering free agents with their prices sufficiently dropped in the flat cap era start to get a little bit nervous and find new homes before all the various musical chairs get filled, kind of like what probably happened with Dan Heinen. 
here's hoping that Hextall's phone is active in that period as well. When we come back, J1Q. trades or other items that your sources report, I can be very critical of your opinions and statements, but since your time at the Post-Gazette, you've never engaged in rumors, and if you report it as an item, I take it that you've done your journalistic due diligence. I appreciate the question, and I especially appreciate it as it's related to the Penguins because, and I would imagine this is what you're referencing, when I reported from the NHL draft floor in Montreal that the Penguins and Canadians had been discussing Petrie, it really threw people for a loop, uh, both where I was in Montreal and, of course, back home in Pittsburgh and wherever Penguins fans happened to be. And it threw them for a loop to be honest with you, the same way it threw me for a loop. It didn't seem like it made any sense. Petrie, of course, being in his mid-30s, costing a ton of money, making absolutely no sense within trying to make the team either less expensive or younger. But what do you know? A week later, the Penguins get Petrie. And everyone's like, well, your rumor was correct. It wasn't a rumor. It wasn't a rumor. So the way you worded that was accurate. What I had heard was direct information from someone seated at the draft table of the Penguins that they were in on Petrie and that they really liked him and that they really wanted him. I didn't say that they were going to get him. You know why? Because I didn't know that and neither did the individual at the table. So the other part of this process that I don't like, makes me cringe, is when people say after the fact, you were right. Well, uh, the original report was right. The fact that they were talking was right. The fact that he was actually acquired didn't make it right or wrong. What was reported was that they were talking. So I made up my mind a long, long time ago that I could either drive myself and probably other people nuts by putting out there every single little thing that I heard. And I just said, no, I'm not going to do that. It's, it's my name on the piece, whatever it happens to be, or it's my name you know, that doesn't go on a piece because I don't feel particularly great about the information. But I'm here to tell you, and Strongly suspect I'm not going to be breaking many bubbles with this one, but there are people out there that just make stuff up and just like out of thin air. And there are people in Pittsburgh who do it and who've done it for a lot of years. And taking this even further, there are people that are gullible enough to keep going back to the same authors of crap like that just because they're so into the idea of potential acquisitions and trades and player movement. It's such a big deal. and They get so 
into the rumor concept that they actually treat these things as bigger than the games themselves. I've never, never understood that. The games are the reasons the moves are being made. Why is the NHL's trade deadline day an infinitely bigger deal from everyone's perspective, media, fans, you name it, than the Stanley Cup final? The Stanley Cup final is why everything's happening. I, I get it. All 32 teams are involved in deadline day. Only two teams are in the final. Okay, that's the part that's common sense. But it's still the ultimate result of everything that you're claiming to be interested in just doesn't add up for me. So anyway, I'm kind of getting off on a tangent here, but the nature of the reporting isn't to repeat things that are whispered. It's just reporting, just like everything else. You hear the information from the source. You rummage through your head as to whether or not this source is reliable. You go through the history that you'd have with that source and whether or not you've been burned by that individual before or whether or not that individual's really gotten you something good. And from there, our process at DK Pittsburgh Sports is that we'll talk about it with each other. We will share with other staffers who that source is so that they don't start wondering, hmm, what about that reporter over there? Are they really getting this, or are they just kind of making it up? We just ask, who'd you get that from? And they have to say it. Oh, okay. And I had to do the same thing in Montreal. I had to do the same thing. Taylor Haas was up there at the draft covering with me. I let her know exactly who it was and what it was. And she, of course, had the same reaction that everybody else would end up having. It was like, what? Petrie? But, you know, it was correct. And for however many things I didn't put out there that would have gotten a lot of attention for either me or the site or whatever, I'll sleep a whole lot easier just going with the stuff that I really, really know. I appreciate the question. I really do, as you can probably tell. This is right in the wheelhouse of the stuff that really matters to me. We will do another one of these tomorrow, ideally with just tons and tons of new developments on the hockey front. Oh, and I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, offer a thank you uh, to the listeners of this show for expressing not only kind wishes, but also support for my having taken the vacation that I did with my son, Marco, mostly to Serbia, my family's ancestral homeland. I'm born and raised in Pittsburgh, but everybody that uh, my mother and father were related to are still over there. And it was just the experience of a lifetime. And it was made that much easier by hearing from so many of you to say, hey, just go ahead and take the vacation. Don't worry about it. We'll live without the daily shot of penguins for a few days. Little did we know that absolutely nothing would happen in the interim. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.